When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast discussing all things Yeovil Town Football Club. I've got another bumper cast this week because we've got a guest in. I'm your host, Liam Trim. Joining me this week, as always, is sports reporter Stephen Dalbiak. Hi, Liam. Uh, Mike Taylor opposite me. Hello, Mike. Hello, how are you doing? And our guest, Ollie Marsh. Hello, Liam. I've got your name right, haven't I, Ollie? You have got my name right. I've got your name is Tom. Ollie's got unprecedented insight he's going to bring to us uh, about the Glovers because he's recently done some work experience inside the club. Mm. And he's a fan. I mean, what, what better knowledge him. could we want on the podcast today? And as always, before we get into today's agenda, don't forget to check out somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all Stephen's latest articles about Yeovil Town. And there is a lot of interesting stuff going on this month, obviously, with the transfer window and a bit of a player crisis ahead of some cup matches for Yeovil. And of course, if you like Glover's talk, if you like listening to us chat about the club and the news going on at Hewish Park, then subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Audio Boom. Right, we've got a lot to get through. We've had two matches since our last recording. We're recording this on January the 4th, 2018. And sadly, after two wins for the last episode, we're discussing two defeats. A defeat against Crawley, um, which was a match full of incident, both on and off the pitch. And also a thriller at Morecambe, which somehow Yeovil managed to lose. So, Stephen, obviously, again, you're at, you're at both matches. Walk yep. us through, I guess, the last few days. But I guess start with Crawley and, and what is probably a, a shocking refereeing display. Yeah, I think... Um I don't think you can be critical of Yeovil. I think they they were undone by what... And I, I said it at the time, and I stand by it. I think it was one of the worst refereeing displays I've seen in a long time. And I'm not just saying that because I have a vested interest in Yeovil. Because he booked five Crawley players in the first half as well. At least three of them, I think, can say that you know they were hard done by to be booked. He just took a far too card-happy approach to the game. Normally, you know, when a, when a game's being refereed properly, you see, you know, the first foul is generally a warning. And then if you keep fouling, then you'll get booked. But it seemed that every time a player committed a foul, he was he was getting a yellow. And it always then set a precedent that meant that whenever another foul took place, he had to book the players as well. And so it meant that really, I think Connor Smith was hard done by to get his first yellow. I don't think he can really have any complaints about the second one. But again, if he doesn't get booked for the first challenge, then... It's not a red card when he does the second one. And then to go on to um, the Omar Sawumni decision, and that was an absolute shocker. I saw the replay at half-time, and if anything, you know, the Crawley player comes into the box, runs into Sawumni and falls down and throws himself to the ground. And you know, if that's a, if that's a red card, then I don't, know, I don't know what is in the red, to be honest with you. I think it was a, it was a shocking decision. And unfortunately, it changed the um, complexion of the game because up until... Yeovil lost Smith, they were 1-0 up and they were comfortably in control of the game and if anything it looked like they were going to go and um, add more goals and um, unfortunately it gave Crawley the impetus to get themselves back into the game and um, and they did that. So yeah, just to remind our listeners, Yeovil down to nine men by half-time I'm right in saying. Yes. Yeah? So yeah. It, was, it really was going to be 
an uphill battle from then on. But I think, you know, if fans are going to take a positive from it, there was quite a bit of fight in the second half and it almost looked like Yeovil come away with at least a point at one point. Yeah, I mean, at times, and um, before the stoppage, which we'll get on to in a moment, because I think it's, uh, it's a much wider thing. But um, up until that point, they were taking the game to Crawley with nine men. Crawley didn't really create that much. I think there were times when they were trying to get forward to their credit and their, you know, it was a couple of occasions where you thought they were just about to go through on goal and um, really you know, have a chance to, uh, to take the lead. So um, by all means, they were, they were not out of the game. And um, really, I think if you can take another positive, it was that first half performance up until Connor Smith was sent off because you know, Sam Surridge um, deservedly gave you over the lead and I thought he was outstanding on Monday and um, there were a couple of other chances as well that, that they had to um, to extend that lead so um, I think all in all I think normally if you lose a game to a team like Crawley which are a team near over on the table at home it's, you'd be disappointed with the players and the performance but I don't think there's really anything that you can fault them for because circumstances really did define the nature of the game Ollie would you agree that there was there was good fight from Yeovil's players and also having the insight of having worked inside Hewish Park recently. Do you think it's impressive that Darren, with nine men, was sort of outfoxing a legend in Harry Kuehl? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I completely agree with what Stephen is saying. I think you might be uh, over-egging my inside knowledge at Yeovil a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, look, we don't often get guests, Ollie. It's nice to, it's nice to play up the... the yeah, very excitable, yeah. I, I think it's uh, it's the second time this season that Yeovil have proven that it's difficult to play against nine men. Mm. Obviously, after the uh, FA Cup game with Port Vale, thankfully they were on the, the right side of that uh, this time. But I, I agree with Stephen. The, the two red cards, I think, were unfortunate. Obviously, he mentioned the Omar Swimney decision, which was just as laughable as the rest of the referee's performance. But even Connor Smith's, I think he's made he's made two challenges and he's been sent off. You could claim that they are worthy of yellow cards, but generally you expect your referees to give him a final warning. And certainly in the second half, the Crawley defender, Josh Yorwa, he's made two bad fouls on a yellow card. And the referee's gone over to him and given him a final warning and Harry Kuehl's been able to sub him off and avoid going down to 10 I know it's the storage one as well where he pulls him down and doesn't even get a foul. Exactly, yeah. So uh, why did uh, Crawley get that luxury and, and Yeovil didn't? Because uh, I'm sure if Connor Smith had been given a final warning, he probably would have been a, a half-time substitute. But as I say, it's a very spirited performance and uh, I think... Just on the balance of play in the opening half hour, if that game had stayed 11 v 11, Yeovil would have won comfortably because they were creating chances. Um, Crawley hardly had a sniff. And uh, I, I just think that we were unlucky with the two yellow cards. Saying that, we are, uh, unfortunately, it puts us up to second in the League Two discipline table. The only team who have got mm. a worse disciplinary record than us are, strangely enough, Luton. So... The thing is, Yeovil aren't a dirty side. They don't like to commit fouls. They're not cynical or anything like that. But they just need to stop getting baited into these situations. They can't give the players options to. They can't give the opposition options to mm. um, to go down, and they can't retaliate when they when the opposition are sort of getting on their backs a little bit. So, yes, it's a very frustrating game. But as Stephen said, Yeovil can can come out with a lot of pride because. Even with uh, even with nine men, I'd I'd probably say that we were the better side still, and uh, I think every player on the pitch in that second half was absolutely heroic. Mm. And Mike is a strange one, isn't it? Because you'd normally associate a referee maybe showing what you know. Ollie's sort of suggesting that it wasn't there was a bit of bias mm. there, and and it, it was going more towards Crawley. You'd normally expect it to be in favour of the home team, and yet yeah. you've got a referee here seeming to, to favour Crawley. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird referee. It's just 
over all over the park, and Stephen and um, um, Oliver were saying it, it was just all over the park. It was just weird decisions. From what I saw, the fact that I I still have uh, grievances grievances for the second red card because I can see why he's been given. It's, it's just, his last man. You know, it looks like he's made a, a a tap on the edge of the area. But you look at the replays. You know, the player just falls under him, and he's and the referee's been completely been had. And I think the referee also at the end of the game also feels like he's. Have they had a bit of a mare there? Mm. And it's it's rubs salt in the wounds as well. The fact that almost uh, Stormy's um, uh, red has been upheld. Yeah, so there, yeah, well, we I should say there was an appeal. <clears throat> we covered this yesterday. There yes. was an appeal which was unsuccessful, which is, which will put Yeovil in a bit of a tricky position yeah, for the FA Cup just, match against Bradford. Yeah. We'll come on to that later, though. Yeah, it's mad. But, um, um, and I yeah. guess you know, if we're going to look for, I'm, I'm trying to desperately look for because I think everyone agrees this referee has had a shocker of a game. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to look desperately for something we can give him credit for. Did he make the right decision of suspending the match with a drone in the unusual? Situation of a drone being spotted above above the ground. I'd say yeah, yeah. I mean, you have no choice. Yeah. That's a safety issue because drones can fall out of the sky, and um, if that falls onto the pitch, then you know it's you're in the you're just in the hands of Lady Luck really as to whether it lands on a player. And what do we know so far? Uh, I guess which, the more worrying thing might be what was the purpose of that drone. Well, we don't know. We don't know obviously who was flying it, but I think <laughs> you can only speculate that maybe somebody got a Christmas present and uh, mm. was very keen to uh, to try it out, or um, or maybe somebody didn't want to stump up the uh, the the cash to pay for a ticket. And this is how I can watch it for free. But um, well, Ollie, Ollie's got a thought. Well, as my inside Joe with town knowledge oh. as you uh, big me up, <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. confirm that it was not a time-wasting tactic from, from the club. We had nothing to do with it. <laughs> no, we, uh, no, I, I mean, don't think you, 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 town do own a drone, as, um, <laughs> as we've seen on multiple occasions. But um, I, I'm pretty certain it was not their one. So it wasn't down way, you know, trying to disrupt the match then? Well, no, because it because it I really say no the stoppage. Of that. Well, no, it could be it could be a fan, it could have been someone inside the club. Yeah. you know, obviously this is. I think all it, I think if it, if, cheap, I think if it was, if it was Yeovil Town, I think if Yeovil Town used that as a tactic, then it really backfired <laughs> spectacularly because <laughs> it just stopped all of the momentum and gave Crawley mm. the chance to yeah, go on yeah. and win the game. I don't so think there was any I think, particular. I think benefit. it was a, it was a bizarre incident. Though. I've never seen anything like it. I think from looking at the pictures. I couldn't see it from where I was, and it's because I think it was over the top of the stand we were in. Because above the oh, yeah, so the first thing we knew was suddenly the referee blows the whistle and the players were walking off, and he just just sat there, just baffled, really. Mm. People were thinking like, "What's going?" On? Yeah, people were shouting going on? suggestions as to what it might be. There, yeah. maybe it was thunder or the floodlight was failing. Basically, suggesting yeah. everything apart from a drone, yeah. which I think yeah. shows how. I think quite quickly then it did was. become clear that's what it was, but I think. You, you can't take any risks with that kind of thing. I don't know if any yeah. of you have seen, there was a, quite a famous clip from, uh, I think it was from downhill skiing, where there was a drone used as a camera and it actually fell out of the sky and landed inches from uh, from a skier as mm. they were going down. And it, it, it does show, you know, drones, are, if they're used in the correct way and they, they run safely, they're, you know, they're, they're good, great ways to film things, but you can't put it over a sporting event like that because if it falls out of the sky, you know, you've got two, two and a half thousand fans in the stadium, you've got, You've got players, you've got you know, you've got coaches, you've got ball boys, you've got you've got everybody here there, and you just can't take a risk of that sort of thing. So as unfortunate as it was, and as silly as the person who was flying it over the ground was to, to be doing it, mm. 
the referee had no choice but to stop the game and uh, make yeah. sure that it was safe before they continued. So there we go. Of I did go on, and I think of course if it did fall out of the sky, then based on his performance, the referee would have had to give it a yellow card. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh there we go. You, you, so you can come back more often, Ollie. We did find something right that the referee did, and then Ollie, <laughs> Ollie's made a quip about it. Fair play to you, <laughs> yeah. Ollie. I think we could have you on more um, often, but, Ollie. But I mean, I must say it's an interesting example of you know what is you know a sporting occasion becoming a news story for us as journalists, and also I think it's going to be an interesting issue. You'd, you'd suspect that at bigger grounds, you know, an Old Trafford somewhere like that, they've probably got procedures in place for things like this. Oh yeah, a, a place like Jewish Park, this is going to be, you know, a, a lower league football um, could could be a security risk which local police forces struggle to deal with and, and mm. security stuff. I mean, do we police are investigating? Right yeah, and I understand that there's an incident, and I think it was at Liverpool pre-season friendly last year where um, there was a drone flown over and player to be suspended, and the person responsible for it was actually. Um, um, brought into court and fined mm. for it so it is a criminal matter um, police are investigating but I think the problem you have with sort of a criminal thing is you've got to first of all find out who was flying the drone and if the person was you know a good couple of hundred metres away then you, you're not going to be able to find out who it was uh, I think it's almost impossible to trace who it was by by looking at the drone so as much as police are investigating, I think it could be one of those things where it's very difficult to see what action could be taken. I think it was just one of those unfortunate things where somebody, you know, mm. very misguidedly flew it into the ground and um, it caused a lot, of, a lot of disruption. But really, I think what can you do unless you have, unless you know who's flying it, it's mm. very difficult to, to mm. do anything about it. Well, if you've got a view on, on that drone incident, do get in touch with us at somersetlive.co.uk. But we'll get back to footballing matters. And obviously that defeat against Crawley... Uh, has left the Oval in a precarious position again in in the league, and that because it became after what was a pretty high scoring loss at Morecambe, where Yeovil uh, were in charge of that game, and again not through sendings off or or bad refereeing this time, I assume, but more just leaky defence as, as thrown yeah, that way. Uh, tactically, they dropped a clangor in the second half at Morecambe. Uh, if you were at Morecambe and saw a first half performance I think you'll probably agree with me it was probably one of the best performances you've seen from a Yeovil Town side in a long time it wasn't just the fact they got the two goals it was they looked sharp they looked alert their passing and movement mm-hmm. Morecambe couldn't live with it and I firmly believe that if Yeovil had gone out in the second half with that approach and that mentality they would have probably won the game 3 or 4 nil because they were that good so did they try but, and sit on a lead? yeah exactly that they just sat back and invited Morecambe to to come forward and Morecambe, you know, they're a very physical side, very direct side. They were playing long balls forward, but really, and it got Yeovil under the cosh. And then as soon as that first goal went in, you could just sense the crowd behind them. It was a very sort of tight, compact ground mm. at Morecambe. You know, the crowd got behind them and it just gave them the m- momentum mm. that, um, that they needed to get back into the game. But I think the real frustrating part of it was that once Morecambe had equalised, Yeovil took the lead again because of Omar Swimney's header. And then within a minute again, they conceded. And really, that comes down to poor game management. You need somebody on the pitch to really, you know, calm things down in that situation, to just be that, be that talking influence, to really just, just get keep the players focused on the job in hand. And they, they'd had the let-off, they took the lead, and they really, from that position, should have seen the game out. And the fact that they didn't, it really, you know, it reflects on just a lack of focus that, that, was, that was evident there. And I think the really... You know, the thing to top it all off is if you've seen the goals, I think at least three of them were probably avoidable. I think the fourth one, the winning goal, was a good header. But again, you do have to question Arthur Krizak's positioning there because Mm. as a keeper, you really shouldn't be lobbed by a header. I think if he stood a few feet back, he catches that ball no problem. And 
it's really one of those unfortunate things because one thing that Yeovil rightly have been given praise for in recent weeks was the fact that they did look like they sorted out their defensive problems. They had the situation against Exeter where they conceded late on and you thought, you know, this could be a bit nervy here. Mm. But they went forward, they stayed positive and they got that third goal. Again, at Cheltenham, they, they were really impressive, you know, really solid, even at 1-0 up with a few minutes to go and they got that second goal. And um, so really it was... It was almost like a return to what you saw earlier in the season when you played Morecambe at home and threw away a two-goal lead or when they threw away a two-goal lead at Forest Green. And um, you really thought that had been consigned to the past. And it's just really unfortunate that when they had the opportunity to win three games in a row for the first time in what was more than a year, that they that those old gremlins returned. Because mm. I think had they won that game, it would have been a completely different story. I think in terms of just the, the confidence going into the Crawley game and even though the referee did ultimately decide the course or have a big impact on the course of how that quarterly game went you do wonder if they'd gone in off the back of three wins in a row could that maybe have reflected in an even better performance to begin with against Crawley mm. I think you're absolutely right and, and you're right to say that you know it's all issues we've discussed on this podcast before isn't it a conceding avoidable goals a lack of game management and maybe a lack of experience on the pitch and just to put it all into context for our listeners uh, just looking at the league table so obviously Yeovil losing those last two games against teams around them. Uh, Morecambe are just one place below Yeovil, two points behind. They're in 21st, Yeovil in 20th. And they are just, uh, well, they, well, they're seven points above seven the points relegation. Clear, so. It's a, so, it's a missed opportunity. Yes, yes, a, yeah. yeah, you're right, Mikey. And it's a missed opportunity to climb up the table because you look at Crawley and they're up on 33 <laughs> points now. In 16th place and obviously you'd be feeling much more comfortable with it with a 13 point and the problem yeah. is you're now right in the middle of a run now where Yeovil are playing all of the teams around them in the table over the next few weeks and mm. they're, if you look at their running it's really really difficult on paper so they really need to take advantage of these games and get as far clear of bottom two as they can and really get it to the point where going into the last 10 games relegation isn't really an issue because if they play if they beaten Morecambe and Crawley it would have been 13 points now I'm not saying if he win one of those games he's still 10 points clear and you've got a good 8 or 9 games where there's an opportunity to extend that gap further and if you get to the point where with 10 games to go you're say 12-15 points clear then it's really asking a lot for the teams below you to catch you and so it is frustrating when you have those opportunities not to take them because I think if you look at the Yeovil team on paper and if you look at the potential of the Yeovil team, it's very much a mid-table team. It's a very talented team, plenty of goals in it. And um, I don't think it's really, I don't think the team really has got the points or got the league position that it really should have when you look at the personnel that, that they have available to them. Mm. I think just building on that point, I checked yesterday and Yeovil are currently averaging one point a game so far this season. So if you say they've got 27 points so far, yeah, 20 games left, so that's 47 points. That's not really enough. Generally, any manager will tell you that 50 is the, the target that they need to mm. feel safe from relegation. And again, just building on that point about the run, I think our final two away games are against Notts County and Lincoln. Yeah, um, We've also right. got Luton during that spell as well. You yeah. do not want to go into those games yeah. needing points. And teams so. like Wickham and Mansfield as well, which <coughs> you, who you would expect to be in the playoff shake-up, if not you mm. know, fighting right at the top of the league, they'll certainly be in and around that mix. Exactly. So when you get an opportunity like your 2-0 up at Morecambe, it's so important to be able to take that opportunity mm. and see it out so that they can, you know, increase their their points really absolutely and just to lay out the next few fixtures for Yeovil 6th of January they've got the uh, the FA Cup third round against Bradford at home and they're home again in the EFL Trophy on Tuesday the 9th of January 
on Saturday the 13th of January back to league action a trip to Port Vale but again that's one like the Morecambe game they'll be looking to win isn't it yeah and then Saturday 20th of January home again to Chesterfield and again they're in that mix and they'll be looking to pick up points in the league Mike would you just before we move on to mm. our usual quiz oh, and, and then later we'll talk about the Bradford game in more detail and the squad issues that Yeovil are facing um, I mean would you say that the positive for Yeovil as it has been perhaps throughout the season is that they are still scoring a lot of goals uh, <laughs> from a 4-3 I guess that's what you can yes, take the positive from. I think that's the positive because obviously um, it shows that even at uh, the most testing the signs they're still able to nick a goal or something um, so I think in the running that would be quite um, quite settling quite comforting for Yeovil fans but I think it's really I think the most um, worrying thing is defending um, it's a cliche in football that you've always got to have a strong. You always build on a strong defence mm. that can keep clean sheets and grind out, you know, nil-nil draws or a nice clean sheet away from home. Um, so I think Yorkshire fans can more be concerned about that as opposed to maybe the fact they can they can score late, uh, score multiple goals really. So. Well, Mike, you, you've you've hinted there that there's problems at the back for Yeovil. There's problems in terms of personnel. And we know that they're facing problems to even get 11 players on the pitch against Bradford City uh, this weekend. So we're going to be talking about the transfer window yeah. in our quiz. Uh, uh, and lovely. So, uh, Ollie, you're welcome to join in here. This is, Stephen's got a good I'll, record. I'll join in as much as I yeah, can. I so, know how so, dominant Stephen's yeah, been in these quizzes. Yeah, so so I've won last week, though. That's, yeah, Mike won last week because he got... But because a, of his, uh, his knowledge of um, of Emmerdale. Yeah, <laughs> he's won it based on a question about Emmerdale. So I, I yeah. can reveal there are no questions about soap operas this week, Mike. No. So I'm sorry in advance. That's the only thing I've been watching over Christmas, you know. So. All right, here we go. Here we go. So the first question in, in our transfer window quiz is on January the 3rd, Billy Bowden left Bristol Rovers to join which club? Preston. Preston. Oh, oh. Stephen was quickest. Stephen was quickest. But Mike, it's noted that you said it. Well done. All right. What I, I get highly commended. Highly commended. Yes. Come on, Ollie. You're gonna get. You're gonna beat Mike. You're gonna get silver medal this week. I, no. I, I can feel it. So if I what? Get one, I'll be happy. What percentage of Virgil Van Dyke's seventy-five million pound transfer fee, which Liverpool have paid to Southampton, will go to previous club Celtic? Twenty. Ten. Ten percent. Mike's got it. He's I didn't know it. that one. Stephen's knowledge was, clearly rooted in league two. It was that or fifteen percent, but I knew it was a, quite a substantial amount. Yeah, it's a, it, I should say that's reportedly, but you know that is a potentially nice windfall for, for Celtic fans. And there. Right now, turning to Yeovil matters with Olafella Olamola returning to Southampton after his Yeovil loan. Who else is rumored to return to the Saints this month? Oh, oh this is a, this is why I see you throwing a curveball in here, haven't you? Yeah. Give I mean, us a hint. He's going to be Theo Walcott. He's been yes. linked to himself. Well oh, done, Stephen. There's two oh, I thought it was someone on, it was out on loan. That's what I was thinking. And then yeah, all of a sudden no, it came well, back to me. For some reason, I thought Pella was still on the books. I think he's out on loan in China oh, or something. Oh, no, yeah. I think he's gone. I think he's long gone. He's um, gone. But yeah, Theo Walcott, supposedly, according to some papers, could be returning to the Saints. Not Gareth Ollie, Bell, come on. We're going to get you on the board. The next question is is very Yeovil Town related. Fleetwood Town bought former Yeovil striker Paddy Madden from Scunthorpe in this window. How many goals did he score during his time at Yeovil? 21. Oh, I reckon you might have got that, I think. 23. Oh, no, it's actually much less than I thought it was. I said 20. All right, well, according, you can check the report. According to the internet, it's 13. 
No, that, that's no, but that, you, that's that wrong league? because that league? Oh. you've probably only got his um, his permanent spell because oh. it's technically two. All right, well, I'll happily think... be uh, called up on that. <laughs> I, yeah, I know he also had a loan spell, so that's I think fair. It, I think it's twenty three. Twenty three in total. I think he's got twenty four. Already uh, rummaging in the internet. To see. I think you're right. Thinking about it, I think I I, I jumped the gun and. Uh, well, in my opinion, you should just give me a point out of. Uh, I'm going to give Ollie a point. Yeah. I'm going to give yeah. Ollie a point because he's. <laughs> a, I get the benefit of the doubt. He's for rightly being currently laughed. Found that there was a slight flaw in that question. I do apologise, <laughs> listeners. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to check it here, just independent right. adjudicator. Just independent adjudicator. Not, I can confirm it was 23. But can you also confirm that there's, during the permanent spell it was 13? <laughs> I can confirm, yes, that was in the league. However, I think you, it's 14 because uh, uh, Wikipedia only takes into account league, um, league stats, which doesn't include the Wembley playoff final. I don't know what you're talking about. They're, they're, very, they're very well... It's a very, yeah, it's a very useful resource, I find, All Wikipedia. right, but there's no, there can be no doubt about this last question. It's, this, is, this, is, uh, this one's clear, the answer to this. All right? Okay. So, so get based on the fact that the last two questions were about Southampton and then also had a Scunthorpe link, who has famously been to Southampton but has never been to Scunthorpe? Tiny temper. Oh, Ollie has come soaring back in. So it's finished with Ollie on two, Stephen on two, and Mike on one. Mike's disgraced himself yet what? again. So well done, Ollie. What, what a guest nice. appearance. He's, he's not only pointing out that the quiz had a flaw in it, but he's, he's got excellent R and B knowledge. So if I was going to get a point, it was going to be via a technicality. <laughs> so Tiny Temper steals it. Yeah, Tiny Temper still. Wow. Last week it was Emmerdale, this week it's Tiny Temper. Oh, I Who, know what I'm listening to in the car on the way home now. Yeah, you can't accuse this podcast of lacking variety. So, right, <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the transfer window now that we've led into it with that quiz, but also I guess it does lead into talking about Bradford City and the fact that the overall is struggling for a squad. So, I mean, Ollie, I'll start with you. Where do you think, we were talking last week about how it'd be good to see Yeovil strengthen their spine, you know, with... A new centre back, a new a new midfielder, ideally, and perhaps a new striker as a bit of support as well. Uh, is that something you'd agree with? Where, where do you think is the priority for Darren Way? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, first of all, I think Darren Way is in an unfortunate position now because, unfortunately, there have been a few injuries and suspensions that have hit us just at the wrong time, mm. and you want to be using the transfer window to uh, buy a couple of players that's going to elevate your squad from in our instance, just above the relegation zone to a mid-table squad or a mid-table squad to a, a playoff squad. But instead, he's going to have to use his resources to replace the the players that he hasn't got available anymore. But um, apart from that, I'm, I'm not really able to give you any names. I haven't done much scouting, but I think that Yeovil are crying out for some experience in their mm. side. Um, it, somebody who has experience defensively would be incredibly useful because I think if you look at the, the back four that Yeovil have been starting with, I think it's... Uh, Nathan Smith is, is the longest serving out of those and Ryan Dixon, although he's also racked up quite a few appearances, he doesn't particularly have the leadership qualities that I think you need, which is shown by the fact that um, when Darren Way came in, he, he took the, the captaincy off him. Mm. So I think it goes back to what Stephen was saying about Morecambe, we need someone with that uh, vocal leadership who has that organisational skill and who's able to bring the, the composure that Yeovil need in the final stages of games to be able to 
see out wins and, and get points on the board. So that would be the, the priority for me. I think I think to go back to it, I, I know I've used this phrase a lot, but it's a Darren Ward figure. That's what you need, I think. Mm. Somebody who's mm. going to somebody who's gonna take charge on the pitch because as much as you know, Darren Way is responsible for picking the team. One of the teams out there, he can only do so much from the touchline. You really need those, you know, his mm. big, you know, influential characters on the pitch to to talk to the other players to really, you know, see them through when things get tough. And I don't think Yeovil have had that this season. And do you think Yeovil struggled to attract the more experienced player? Because it's been a problem. You know, this has been a problem for a while, hasn't it? Keeping experienced players to, to build to bring on the younger players. Well, like you say, on the pitch, which is something that. However good the coaching is, you can't necessarily do. Yeah, I think there are two key issues with um, attracting players, and particularly experienced players, to Yeovil. The first thing is it comes down to budget, because Yeovil haven't had a big budget for, for a long time now. And that's something which really, you know, I think you, you do have to question the board, I think, in some respects, for not making that money available. I understand from that there may be more money available this January um, because the club want to you know, make sure that they survive in League 2, first of all. But that's something that's historically has been an issue. Um, and the other thing is location because, unfortunately, Yeovil is, is really it's sort of a little mm. bit out in the sticks. Um, it's not as easy to persuade somebody to move to Yeovil as it would be to move to somewhere near London or near Manchester or near one of the big cities. So they do struggle with that. However, they have shown in the past that they can get big experienced names in because the likes of Ward and Zoko were, you know, very well-known, well-respected, you know, you know, model professionals who had been around for a long time when they signed. Um, and they're still there now. Ryan Dixon, you know, was experienced when he, when he signed. So that there is the capability to attract those players to the club. It's just finding the right ones who Darren Way feels can come in and really um, influence the team and improve it going into the second half of the season, I, f- I think. But I think certainly, you know, an experienced defender is what um, is what I think the main priority should be. Um, I think if you want to then go back to the other other positions, I think you need a striker because obviously Feller Olamolo's future is up in the air. Well, I was going to ask about that, so let's, let's recap yeah. on where we are with Olamolo because I know that you did yeah. a piece about Yeovil potentially interested in going for a permanent deal. Uh, yeah. Is that, I mean, that's normally something we say Yeovil can't do that. They just don't have the budget, like you say. Yeah, I think it's possible, but it would take a, it would take quite a big bid. And I think mm. it would be, you know, it'd be a very big sign of intent if they mm. were to do it. But I, I do question whether the budget is there. And also you have to factor in that Olamola's done so well that all it would take, if Yeovil wanted to sign him permanently and he was available on a permanent deal, all it would take would be for another team higher up in League Two or in League One who is who have been watching him, and there have been clubs watching him, um, to to decide actually if he's available permanently, we fancy you know we'd fancy him. And if a League One team comes in and bids for him on a permanent deal, then Yeovil unfortunately don't have a prayer of keeping him. I think. Yeah. Well, I'm friend was with a few Saints fans. I don't know what you think about this, Ollie, but they've been saying to me that they're aware of Olivola. He's he's doing well on loan, and obviously they're really struggling in the Premier League. Some of them are quite keen for him to go back. Do you think, from what you've seen of him, he could actually perform at that level, or is he is he still too? I don't think. Yeah. More. I, I don't think you could. Um, I don't think you could rule it out in the future. Mm. I think he's he's a typical young striker. You know, when he started at Yeovil, he hit the ground running. I think t- scored two goals in his home debut and. You could tell his confidence was sky high. Then he went a couple of games without a goal. His confidence dropped a little bit and he found it a bit of a difficult situation to deal with. And 
he also had uh, the injury. He had he got a little knock in the Czech Trade Trophy and uh, suspension as well when he got sent off against um, uh, Stevenage. So there's been a lot of things for him to deal with, but we've seen so many times this season that he has got that natural ability. He's got all of the attributes of a, a really influential striker. He's big, he's powerful, he's a great finisher as well. He's got a surprising amount of pace. Um, so, yeah, I, I would never say never about him getting to the mm. Premier League, but I would say uh, League One is probably his level right now. But, of course, hopefully he'll stay at United. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, well, it is an interesting yeah. one because I know that his contract is also up in the summer at yeah. Southampton, isn't it? So wherever he goes next will be interesting to see. I, I think I think if Yeovil were to get him, and I, I know this isn't something a lot of Yeovil fans would want to hear, but I think the most likely route that Yeovil would get Olomola on a permanent deal would be if... For example, and because there has been some talk over his future, if say Otis Khan were to go, mm. and he would no doubt go for a six-figure sum, um, that Yeovil may reinvest that money in signing right. Olamola permanently. That's a possibility, but I think it, it, it's probably quite unlikely to see how they would be able to afford to sign him unless there was that injection yeah, well, of cash. I'd, I'd agree, but it comes back to what Ollie was saying. This is the problem, isn't it? Uh, at this time, at this window, or even in the summer window, you want to be looking to, to build on what you've previously had. And it's always a case of Yeovil, it seems to be, of, of shuffling pieces to fill gaps. Mm. I mean, you, you'd yeah. love to see Zoko and Olamola in the same team, wouldn't you? Permanently. Yeah, yeah you would. And uh, if... if Fellow Olamola signed permanently, it would be an unbelievable signing for Yeovil. He'd be on, no doubt, be on a two-year deal. So you'd really have somebody who you can build your team around in the next, you know, two or three years. And that would be a huge, huge signing. However, you know, it, again, it comes back to, to money and uh, it comes back to whether, you know, Yeovil can afford him and also whether Southampton are, are willing to let him go now. Because for all we know, they may want to offer him an extension to his contract. Mm. It's possibly unlikely, but... You know, you, you just don't know of these things, and particularly at Southampton at the moment, because there is some talk over the future of their manager, and um, it all depends if they were to get rid of Pellegrino, bring in a, a manager who, you know, wants to, you know, use some of the youth there, and yeah. we all know how good Southampton's youth setup is, then it could be that a new manager at Southampton could look at him and think, you know what, I think he's got something and I want to use him. So I think it's very, there, very, it? you know, I, w- I wouldn't want to, you know, put any money on him staying. And certainly mm. signing on a permanent deal, I think it's far too up in the air at the moment. So let's recap with the others then, because some, some have already gone out, like um, Sid Nelson. He's, he's yeah, and he's gone to Chesterfield now. That's, that's been confirmed, confirmed live last, on this podcast. Over the last incredible. hour or so, he's um, he's gone to Chesterfield. So he'll be back at Hewish Park quicker than we thought, but um, unfortunately lining up um, against Oval. Yeah. So. Um, that'll be I mean, I mean uh, from what I've heard but, about him, it's not like he particularly had in, enhanced the squad. I don't think there'll be many fans to be. No, I think there were him. there were a couple of issues here. I think first of all, he had a um, he had a nose operation, which um, by all accounts he didn't need to have, which didn't help his standing in right. the squad. And then when he came back in and he got sent off needlessly against Notts County, that really sealed his fate. I and. Um, I think you know from that moment he was never going to stay beyond January. It's a shame because he was a good player, but I think to be fair, when Nelson did drop out of the team and Omar Swimley came in, you know mm. Swimley's been just as good as Nelson, if not better. So I think it was very difficult to see how he was going to get himself back into the team. And another centre back, Kesson Davis, he's gone. Yeah, and um, that's no surprise because he played in that infamous um, defeat at Luton. He was hauled off after forty-five minutes. 
with a score five one, wow. and he never played again. Really, same save for I think one one minute substitute appearance in a few Czech Trade Trophy games. I think if that's you know the extent of your playing time when you're you know the captain of Swansea's twenty yeah. threes team, I, I think a big deal out of that. Yeah, I mean, he, he was he was he came you know he came with good pedigree, but it just didn't work out for him. And I think it's the right thing to do because I, mean, I could understand if he was a permanent signing, I could understand you keeping him around for for numbers. But I think you only got five loan um, players available mm. to you and it's not wise to be using up a loan space in your squad to be you know to use for somebody who may you know be needed in, in an emergency you really need your loan players to be players who are going to be if not in the team week in week out at least fighting to get into the team yeah. week in week out and you really can't be wasting those places on on players that aren't going to play and who else? Who, who else are you ever losing? And who do we want to keep? Okay. I suppose. Okay, so and there are two other loans. Obviously, Sam Surridge is on loan until the rest of the season. So the way I understand it is that he remains the Yeovil player unless Bournemouth call him back. There will obviously need to be some rubber stamping there, and Darren will be wanting to get that final approval. So I think he probably will be available for Saturday. But again, um, oh, and just to add to that, the another reason why he probably will be is that he's cup tied in the FA Cup. So if Bournemouth can't recall yeah. him to play in their FA Cup game at Wigan, which um, would have been a, a potential concern, but that's no longer an issue. I believe um, I, I believe he said to the uh, match sponsors on Saturday after he picked up the Man of the Match award that he was definitely staying. So yeah, that, that's so a good I think sign. that that one will that one should continue. That is reassuring. And yeah. the other one is Matt Worthington, who again I would expect will extend his loan for the rest of the season. He's been quite good from um, on loan from Bournemouth. He was the one that impressed me against Exeter. Yeah, and um, Yeovil, we've huh? seen historically Yeovil and Bournemouth have a good working relationship. They've got a good link. We've had several um, Bournemouth youngsters down at Yeovil in the past and generally um, it's always been if Darren wants them for the whole season Eddie Howell's been more than happy to let them stay we saw it last year with Matt Butcher and Ben Whitfield we saw it with Harry Cornick the year before that so I'd expect that Worthington it it may you know there may be a slight doubt until the deal is confirmed because you never know if another team wanted to come in for him but if that doesn't happen I, I would imagine that one would be fairly straightforward and uh, that we'll see him extend as well Alright then so looking ahead to Bradford this cup tie this weekend why is it that Yeovil is so thin on the ground? Well, there's, there is the loan issue, obviously, yeah. losing Davis and Nelson until the futures of Ola Moller and Worthington and Surridge, to some extent, are confirmed. Then you, they are question marks for Saturday. Um, and then you have the suspensions to Connor Smith and Sawumni, which has um, brought the numbers down even further. And then Yeovil also have several long-term injuries in their squad because you've got... James Bailey, who's now out for two to three months after his knee injury against Cheltenham. You already had Oscar Goburn out. You already had Rhys Brown out. And Dan Alfie has obviously been out since um, September. He's, his season's over because of his uh, cruciate knee ligament injury. So um, it really has left you over in a very unfortunate position. I would imagine it, if it is a concern, I think that they will probably have about 13 players um, available, 13 to 14 at the absolute mm. worst. I'd imagine that they'll be doing everything they can to get signings in before the weekend. I'll be very surprised if there isn't at least one new face in there before the weekend. And if you ever need to fill the bench, they can go to their youth team to um, to make sure there is 18 players um, on, the, on the bench. So, um, so 18 players then, in yeah. the squad, so not on the bench. I'd have been very uh, over full bench. <laughs> <laughs> nah. but, um, but no, I think... 
there may only be 13 or 14 genuine first team players, mm. but it won't be as much of a crisis as perhaps some people may fear because they can go into the youth team and yeah, just make yeah. up the numbers if needed. But it does leave them on the back foot against the Bradford side, which are going to be very difficult to beat given mm. their position in League One. Yeah, and Ollie, what's kind of the, again, I might be overreading your insight, but why not? Let's try it. What's <laughs> kind of the mood? You know, do you get the sense at the club that they they feel they can go out and get in not just players that are worthy of being the first team, but quality to replace what you know they're, they're losing people, and also like like Steve's just explained, the uh, absences from injuries and suspensions. Well, Darren's got a, a good control of the club. He's got the the backing of the board, and I mean, this is just my how I see it personally. But I feel like if Darren was to go up to them and ask for the funds to be able to bring in that player, maybe get Feller in on a permanent transfer. If the resources were there, then he'd probably get it because mm. that's the, the level of trust that, that um, that's at the club. So, as I said, hopefully we'll be able to see another couple of signings before the Bradford game. Um, if anything, just to give Darren Way a few more options on the day and uh, um, just, just to sort of have that... Um, uh, just just to be able to sort of finish the season with a flourish, you want to be able to get those few players or couple of players that can really, as I said earlier, elevate the squad from a, at the moment, just above relegation side to a comfortable yeah. mid-table I mean, side. are you optimistic about Yeovil staying up as it stands? I am optimistic because I think if we are able to keep the players that we've got, there's too much quality there for us to go down. And you look at the two teams in the relegation zone at the moment, it's uh, Forest Green and mm. Barnet. Uh, Barnet and just, ones, yeah. just outside yeah. as well now. Um, I think there's no doubt that those teams are worse than Yeovil. Of course, the difficulty is that Yeovil have played every team below them at the moment and the only one they've beaten is Chesterfield once. Mm. I think, uh, obviously, we play Forest Green in the Checker Trade Trophy next week. I think that'll be a good dress rehearsal for when we play them at home in the league. I think it's in March or April. Yeah, it's Good Friday, Which so that'll be will, the, that'll be a massive game. Yeah, potentially that, game, yeah. Yeah, that could be the making or breaking of our season. Really, as much so. as it's about Yeovil climbing up the league now, it seems more about keeping the... Like you say, if there's clearly weaker teams, it's about making sure they don't start to get any ideas about escaping, isn't it? More than exactly, and we've if seen sort of not capable of putting a run together, then maybe that's the best way of doing it. Exactly, and we've seen Port Vale have sort of had a, a mini resurgence in form, and that was when we played them in the in the FA Cup, and they gave us a, a scare with nine men. So it is possible, and um, you know, it will be interesting to keep an eye on what they do in the transfer window. Obviously, Chesterfield getting Sid Nelson, that's a a sign of intent from them so hopefully they'll be able to or hopefully they won't be able to yeah. to build on their squads and hopefully they'll sort of stay down there and uh, it will sort of uh, be a, an important buffer between them and Yeovil I think I think the teams that, that are in trouble potentially and I'm going to leave Yeovil out of it because I am quite optimistic that they will stay up and I'm <laughs> eternally optimistic fingers crossed touch Yeovil. Yes. but um, I think Teams like Port Vale and Chesterfield, I would be very surprised if they're still in the mix at the end of the season because they both came down from League One last year. They've got big budgets behind them and they will throw money at it to try and get themselves clear. Forest Green are also well-backed, so I wouldn't be surprised if they really overhaul their squad in January and manage to pull themselves clear. I think the teams you'd want to, or the teams you be concerned about, potentially, would be Barnet, I think, uh, are very much in trouble because they don't have the resources to really change much and they're struggling. I think Morecambe could struggle. They've always been on a very small budget and this could really be the year, I think, their luck runs out. And then it's the likes of Crewe and potentially Crawley, although, of course, their win on Monday really does help them in that mm. respect too. You'd be looking at um, at 
potentially being in trouble as well, possibly Cheltenham, but I think they're a little bit higher up. Yeah. Stevenage have been in a bit of free fall lately. They started the season well, but are down in, I think it was right 17th now. I'm not 100% mm. sure of that. So I think those are the teams that I think you could see being dragged into it. And um, I mean, Yeovil could potentially be in that group, but I think they probably, I agree with Ollie, I think they've got enough to make sure that they are safe for this season. Well, let's hope so. We've been talking for a while, so I'll turn it to our predictions for the Bradford game before wrapping up this episode. Uh, Ollie, what do you think the score will be? Um, well, I did a little bit of stat looking up and oh, uh, yeah, oh, found out that uh, uh, Bradford have the second highest amount of first half goals in the country with 24. Luton are the highest with 28 just because Luton are top of every single table. In the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeovil have the fifth high, uh, joint fifth highest amount with 22 just below Man City with 23. So, so what we're predicting is a lot of goals in the first a half. A lot of goals in the first half. If you're a betting man, put your house on uh, both teams to score in the first half. I wouldn't recommend you bet your house. No, 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 no. <laughs> And I was just looking at the the views of the Bradford fans on Twitter. Oh, and yeah. uh, Francois Zoko was on loan at them the season before he joined Yeovil and wasn't very good. But they're predicting that he's going to score a hat-trick against them. So <laughs> with all of that information, I'm going to go 3 to Yeovil, optimistic, all goals in the first half. Oh, wow. What That's a, game a bold that one be. there. And, is, and if I'm wrong, I want this deleted from Audio Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, your prediction? I'm afraid I have control of that and there's no chance, mate. It's going to be there for eternity. Um, I think... Um, I think Yeovil could get something. I think uh, it might be very difficult for them to win the game, but I certainly think they could take the game to a replay. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to say a few less goals. I'm going to go one all, but um, hopefully um, hopefully an entertaining game and um, a good um, a replay at Valley Pro to be good because it would be a good um, good a money spinner for yeah. the club. So. Um, Valley Parade would be one uh, to tick off my list, though. It's always one I wanted to go to, so I wouldn't be too unhappy with that. They do a good curry, apparently, in Bradford. So. Oh, well, Mike, you know more than me. Well, um, I can't see Yilva win it, but I'll have to copy uh, Stevens, unfortunately, and go 1-1. All right, well, I'll go 2-2. Thank you very much for listening <laughs> for this episode of Glover's Talk. Make sure you do subscribe, because why wouldn't you want to hear this every week? We're on iTunes, Audio Boom and somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sports. See you next time. Nu de Samsung S9 Plus. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.